GMs. Have you ever felt like banishing a player to the Astral Sea for insisting your rule interpretation was bogus? Players, have you ever felt frustrated that a 19 on a perception check only tells you that there may or may not be something there? Turtles and Hurengan. Tired of everyone constantly asking you to race to see who's faster? Then this is the podcast for you. Where we take a hard look at the rules of the game, the reality of the table, and the role of the dice to solve D&D's most heated arguments. This is Raw and Order. Dun, dun. Oh, oh my, my, Anna, you look... You, your beard looks lovely. I didn't know you were growing one. <laughs> as far as you hadn't noticed. Just kidding. It's not Anna. It's Merkel. Or Michael. Hello. Hi, Michael. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome back. Good to be back for my third episode, third appearance on the pod. Maybe. Hold on. I'm going to wait till you're done fiddling with you. There you go. I don't want your mic noises mm. uh, uh, interrupting our... Um, and then now you go to touch your mic more. Okay, hold on. We'll just everyone. We're just gonna wait a hot minute. There we go. There we go. There we go. Tighten it. Yeah, tighten it. Um. Uh. So Anna is Anna constantly has people visiting her, flying in and out of the state to to see her. She has so too she, many friends. She does. She does. So we, she just needs to stop being so popular. No adult should have as many friends as Anna has. <laughs> Hear that, Anna? She's and this the great part is she's not even here to defend herself. So we just do whatever, yeah, the, fuck, exactly. say whatever the fuck we want about it. I don't get it. I mean, she's yeah. our age. I stopped making friends like five years ago. <laughs> yeah, and she's so nice. Who's why are people nice? Oh, disgust me. Anyway, Pass. Michael is Pass. is is my is my co-host for the day because Anna's not here to join us. Um okay, we were just talking about well, okay. Well, first, yesterday I went to a wedding. Went to a very a, a mutual friend or acquaintance of of yours, probably Mr. Michael Apple. Oh, I went to his he wedding. Got married? He's not married already. I know. It's the running joke is that he and Jake have not yet been married. Well, they finally tied the knot, so to speak, yesterday um, uh, at the Hancher Auditorium in Iowa City. Is very nice. The new Hancher because the old oh, one I've got in there. The old one got. I think flooded, destroyed, right when we were in law school or before we were in yeah. law school. I thought doesn't doesn't he live in San Francisco? He does, but the, but him, his family and Jake's family both live in Iowa, and they were like, we want everyone to come see Iowa City. So the pay they were the pandemic fucked them up a bit. I think they planned on initially having their wedding in 2020, but then they uh, obviously postponed until yesterday and it was it was a lovely time i got to see all the gays and all the law school people um congratulations uh, to michael and jake congratulations michael and jake never listeners have no fucking clue who they are they're just rich gays from san francisco don't worry about (laughs) it everyone (laughs) um Okay, before so that's our that's that was what I did yesterday. But um, we were before this. You had just we were you were you were wanting to invest in an ASMR where we just speak the names of D and D monsters. Gelatinous. Oh, I do. You have to say it sexily, or you just say it. 
<laughs> you do it however you want. It's, there's really no wrong way. Mind flare. Um, but you know, you had said Manticore, and um, uh, I fought a Manticore on Friday. Um, you did? I for me personally, yep. Well, appeared he appeared outside my house, and I said, "No, you, you human man-faced flying lion with a scorpion tail." How dare you? And he said, um, what a pleasant surprise that would be. <laughs> that would be terrifying. Have you seen like drawings of manticores? They're hideous. I tried to paint one once. I remember that. Well. I, 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 well. I do. I do recall that. Um, we fought a manticore, a, a turtle cleric and a minotaur in minute, minotaur, minotaur in, in, uh, josh's campaign that he's doing for us we're all level seven we when i say decimated these guys in like a round it was no match we 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 slayed i was gonna say a manticore isn't that like a third level party sort of baddie yeah i think i think um plus the other creatures and then it was wasn't the first fight we had had that day so like I think he just was, but we were able to just get the drop on these guys and it was, there were body parts everywhere, mama, and not in a good way. Oh, um, okay. God, they are ugly. They are ugly. Right? Spiked. I just looked it up. Spiked go look tail. at their, go and their teeth. Go look at a, the face is what, I don't know what possessed the creator of this being because these aren't manticores like, like from mythology, right? Um, or is this I'm a not familiar? I don't know if this is a, a pure D&D beast or if they are something that are from that is from like Greek mythology or something. I think it's from like Greek myth. I mean, it has to be. I think of like, I don't know. That's I, don't so know. I guess I'm thinking of like a Pegasus. I think of like a horse with wings. Is there a no? This is definitely it's Persian. This is from like, Persian. yeah, like so it's sort of like Sphinx like. Is is oh my god, do not do not go to the Wikipedia for Manticore. Uh they are ter- this is so terrifying, these pictures, just because of how fucking creepy it is. Name. It literally means man eater from the Persian Mardia man and Quar to eat. Oh honey, man eater. Honey, call me a manticore, honey. Honey, <laughs> honey, I'll show you my spike tail, honey. Yeah, um, that one was coming. I mean, a little, a little too easy. Sorry, folks. Oh, <laughs> with some sources identified, this is from Wikipedia. Some sources identify the manticore with the man tiger, honey. <laughs> Apparently, a man tiger is its own, its own creature. This is too creepy. I don't like this. I don't know why. I don't know who was like, yeah, I'm going to put the face of a guy, but like the body of a, of a. So wait, so you faced lion. the manticore on Friday. How, how many are in your party? There's six of us. We were in hell. We're in Avernus or Avernus. I don't know how you say it. And um, we had just stolen. We talked about this a, a few episodes ago when Josh was here. Um, we had just stolen a like, a death machine or war machine or whatever they're called those big like um like uh, a golem no it's like a it's like a like a a vehicle like a spiked vehicle that you ride through hell i don't know i think it's called a war machine and then is this homebrew or are you playing descent into avernus 
Uh, it's homebrew, but it's probably it's probably he's probably using some of the creatures and stuff from like Avernus. But um, and then we 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 like pulled up outside this cave, and there were these bearded devils, and we're like, "Hey guys!" And then we fought them, and then we went into this hallway. Um, or we went down into this the armory of Tiamat, which I don't know if he he probably created all this shit, and, and if not, then well, fuck you, Josh, because <laughs> you just stole everything. Just kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, when then we like had to go through this hallway where these things shot at us, but then we went through and got a bunch of magic items, and then we went down into this other room, and these guys were there, so we uh, our wizard cast fireball but changed the damage to psychic because he's an order of the scribes wizard and uh our sorcerer cast cone of cold because they have a staff of power that lets them cast cone of cold and uh so it was ice cold damage and psychic damage and i coined the term they're using the brain freeze maneuver you, you can't see this everyone but michael's michael's chortling uh he's giggling good job brain Thank freeze you. maneuver i mean killed him killed him dead so well that's fun <laughs> it is that's fun hear that everyone <laughs> um michael what are your thoughts on this trailer for the D movie let's talk about it everyone's talking about it let's talk about it um i i can't wait March 2nd, 2023, pretty sure, or March 3rd, maybe. Oh, it's like uh, less than a year away. Oh, yeah. And this thing was announced. This thing was announced a couple years ago. And it's got pushed back at least once. I want to say twice. But Chris Pine has been uh, attached as the lead ever since the get go. And Hugh Grant um, mm-hmm. is also in it. I think he's the villain. Um, he makes a really brief appearance in the, in the trailer. Um, and then I think there's Michelle Rodriguez and justice Smith. Um, it's going to be, I don't know. I can't wait. I'm watching the trailer. I mean, it starts off with that, uh, Led Zeppelin. Um, it feels very, very Marvel. It feels very Marvel. It reminds me a ton of, uh, guardians of the galaxy, um, and so I won't be the least bit surprised if this is just the beginning of a massive franchise. I mean, I think, I, I don't know if they'll go the way of the MCU, but mm-hmm. I really don't see any reason why they want it. I mean, the, just the, the massive amount of, of settings and lore and unique IP that it's associated with uh, Dungeons and Dragons, like Beholders and Mind Flayers and stuff like that, that nobody right. else gets to do that they could do. Um, plus they have you know, they have all of these sort of historical uh, within the context of the game. Like, like I said, all this sort of deep lore that, you know, who knows if we'll run into Tasha, if we'll right. run into Morn Kanan, if we'll run into Xanathar. I mean, like there's all of these sort of uh, creatures and, and heroes and stuff that could possibly, uh, you know, make out the world. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a, pulpy dumb comic <laughs> book movie and i can't wait i think it's gonna be sweet um i like that the guy uh Re- i think it's reggie reggie or reggie john page the guy um 
who was in Bridgerton is in it. And I, I'm pretty sure he decided, you know what? Fuck season two of Bridgerton because he wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do the D&D movie. And you know what? Good for him. I hope it pays off. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to be just a slab of meat. People gawking at me in my hot buns. <laughs> I want to be in a D&D movie. And I think it's an upgrade, quite frankly. So Chris Pine plays a bard, right? Is that, isn't that his character? I think there's a bard. So I think Chris Pine is a bard. I think there's a sorcerer. I think Justice Smith is a sorcerer. Michelle yes. Rodriguez plays a barbarian. Uh, then there's a druid. I don't know who the actress is. Sophia Lillis, mm. uh, I think, plays a druid. And then I also think there's a paladin. Maybe that's the guy you're talking th- about. Regé Jean Page. Yeah. He's the paladin? I believe so. Um, at, least in the, uh, at least in the trailer, he appears to be wearing like heavy armor, like plate mm-hmm. armor. And mm-hmm. he's got some, he's got some sort of something going on um but the other parts of the trailer that are cool i mean you get to see uh you get to see a gelatinous cube you get to see that a displacer was, beast i think the gelatinous cube i think is my favorite part i'm like gelatinous cube and then like you could see something floating in it i was like yeah that was a lot of fun because it's such a weird like if you think of like horror or like something imagine just looking out the window and seeing a gelatinous cube and be like what the fuck is go-? like there's just a cube of nothing just sliding down the street it's not that scary right I, but i love it because it's like it's it's a remnant from like the very first edition of D mm-hmm. and it's just one of those like such a simple concept that like it just feels like that if you were to get around a table with a bunch of your friends and like sort of the first draft or first <laughs> edition of like I don't know of anything that you put together. You're like, I don't know. What if it was just like a big square and you like get stuck? I and mean, it just seems like it's such a first draft that they're like, yep, we're going to go with it. And then it's stuck around for 50 years. I love it. I mean, I think it's, I think it's, it's such a fun creature, but to see it, like, like it'll be interesting to see. Cause it, from, I think if my memory serves me correctly from the trailer, it looked like it was in sort of some sort of arena or something or like, it looked like a coliseum that they were all in. So yeah. I'm, I don't know if there's going to be some sort of like battle royale. I don't know, but right. yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Um, so, but it'll be interesting to see like how it's all portrayed. Um, uh, I think it looks like a lot of fun. Of course, there was a huge hubbub because the the druid turned into an owlbear. Well, I think I think technically the druid was in a horse form that turned into an owl bear, which you can't do. You have to revert back to human form or your mm. ordinary form before you can wild shape into an, another form. But then, I somebody pointed out, what is it called? Shape beast? Is that there? It? There are others. Polymorph. I mean, she could have been polymorphed or something. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, and, even though, and, with, it, and even if it's wrong, who cares? Right. Like, oh, no, no, no. Like, right. And no, people apparently were freaking out, but yeah, no, no, I think it's, first of all, I think you should be able to polymorph into things that aren't just beasts because it's called polymorph. Like you should be able to polymorph into whatever you want. And um, so I'm just going to go ahead and assume that's what she did. And she is casting spells. Um, it does look very cute. And it I, I'm interested to see the direction. Like, I think you're right with like there could be like an MCU kind of like uh effect where they start looking at okay, well, like let's explore because so, do we know where it's set? 
Is I it's... believe it's in the Forgotten Realms. I it looks like I, I don't know that it's been established that it's in the Forgotten Realms, and I don't know that it's been established that it's in Waterdeep, but gotcha. I feel pretty strongly I think like the the very like in the first 10 seconds of the trailer, they sort of pull back into this like like citywide view of something uh, that looked like it was probably water deep. Sure. Uh, or at least somewhere on the Sword Coast. Um, yeah, like it would be cool to see like an Icewind Dale and like all these places where like the you could you just have spent so much time imagining them in your minds and playing in them and like yeah maybe we'll actually get to see some of that stuff like i i would love to see like like their interpretation of what the shadow fell or the fey wild looks like um man i hope i hope we see the fey wild i hope uh it'd be cool if they if they went to or if they mentioned or or quickly if we saw like neverwinter mm-hmm. or Fandolin or something like that because i i mean i, I think that this movie is going to be chock full of fan service and i think it needs to be and so and plus i think i mean from a a much broader standpoint wizards of the coast wants to bring it i mean they want to make more money right so they want right. people to go play uh you know the the kind of starter campaigns they have out there so i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised at all if they mentioned neverwinter or you know gundren Rockseeker or uh, Fandolin or something <laughs> like that like why not so then you know people have that in their heads they go buy the starter kit where they're doing uh lost mind of Fandolin or Fandelver, yeah. and um they're like oh my god i can't believe this ties into the movie and it's like this has been out for over a de- about a decade now yeah it'll be interesting i i mean look i would love for the more uh, i mean because if you think about it like marvel comes from fucking comic books like that sort of comics are like the other nerdy thing that it's like you either like played D or uh it's like super into video games or you were super into comics and um uh, i feel like yeah like why wouldn't it be just as successful plus you're getting a whole bunch of people who couldn't give two shits about playing D and just are like cool dragons yeah I mean, I think if, you know, the people that come out in droves to see every single MCU movie, myself included, mm-hmm. I don't know why, even if you didn't play D&D, if you just saw the trailer and sort of like, I don't know, this kind of feels like a superhero uh, team movie, like may as well go watch it. Right. Um, we'll see though. I mean, if it, it's, you know, one of the reasons the MCU has been so successful is because the first Iron Man was awesome. It was an awesome movie. Yeah. It was really great. And it launched, you know, the rest of the, the series. And so this movie has to be good. I don't think it has to be great, but if it's bad, then they're never going to make another one. And there's right. been, this is like the right. third time that they've done iterations <laughs> of a Dungeons and Dragons movie. The rest of them are really bad. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I hope you're right. I hope they got the right people to write it so that the writing is good. I mean, clearly they have some good actors. Um, I do, it is a little sad to like, uh, if this would be the only movie because we're, we're obviously seeing like the tropes, right? Like like the Druid is is like, so this basically looks like um, Keyleth. I, um, you know, just yeah. a very Druid-y. And like the Bard is, a very much a bard and the barbarian is like and it's i kind of want to see the more nuanced like you know when you when you start to really get in you start to multi-class you start to get into the wild shit like i want to see like those representations too and i'm sure you know like if there are more movies they'll have a more nuanced uh look at it but i don't know it's interesting what it could what it could start 
Yeah. And I think you're right. But I was, I mean, a little surprised. I mean, you sort of think of like the, like a really typical sort of classic D&D party. I mean, it doesn't appear there's any cleric. Mm-hmm. There's doesn't appear there's a fighter um, or rogue. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that the choices they made are that, you know, off the beaten path. I mean, it's not like we got a artificer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it here and say that Chris Pine is a, is a multi-class bard rogue. I'm just going to call it glamour bard swashbuckler rogue. Well, we also Done. know that the, uh, the critical role cast is going to yes. make, uh, I don't know, appearance, presumably cameo appearance. Um, I'd be awesome if they got substantive roles, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Now, um, has that been like confirmed somewhere? Like, I believe that it was mentioned or confirmed at Comic-Con uh, a couple of weeks ago. Gotcha. Um, but a lot of people have speculated and I hope it's true. I hope at the very end of the movie, it just mm-hmm. like fades to black and then, you know, uh, you know, opens on like Matt Mercer at his table with the, with the, with the rest of the cast there. And it turns out that this whole story was just a, a Matt Mercer D and D one shot or something like that. Absolutely. Like that would be, God, I would love that. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. Well, I, Hey, I guess we'll see. What what is in store for the cinematic D and D cinematic universe? Um, and hopefully we will we'll get more we'll get more of that. Okay, yeah. Sh- should we don our robes? Yes, because you're nude right now, and as much as I enjoy it, I think that we we should not. There's this is a family show. Okay. Yeah, I'll put my clothes on. Okay, I'll put my robe on at least. At least, yeah, you can be naked. Let's just put your robe on. Okay, we'll be we'll be right back. Well, everyone, we're here. We're just in chamber chat today. We're not, uh, the court is not in session because our, our my co-chief justice, uh, Justice Anna, is uh, not with us today. We just have our lowly associate justice of the Court of Appeals, Michael. <laughs> here I am. Here he is. Um, uh, so we're just going to, we're going to just dive into some chamber chat topics um as just as a reminder if you'd like to submit uh case ideas for us if you have questions that you need resolved um submit them to us the link is on our twitter at raw and order dnd um uh we have a whole google form you fill that shiz out and uh yeah we'll we'll dive in as appropriate as needed to to solve the 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 real issues plaguing the people of the who play dnd so that's just how it is. Okay. Topic number one. This is something as a DM that I've run into a lot. And I've always questioned if I'm giving too much or not giving enough. And it's allowing players to do ability checks on their turns, essentially for free. What does this mean? Okay. So rules is written doing an ability check on your turn, unless you have Unless you have some ability, like there are, I think there are some rogues that can do like insight checks or things as like bonus actions or um, uh, investigation checks as a bonus action. Um, uh, normally, rules is written, it's an action to do those things. However, I've seen very effectively in a lot of live plays, um, uh, GMs who allow their players to just make these 
uh, checks. Um, and I've really adopted that into my games. And I, anytime like a, a creature is like resistant to a certain type of damage, I'll do the Matt Mercer, like make a perception check or make an insight check. Oh, you get the sense that they didn't take as much damage from that attack as you thought. Well, I don't actually know how common that was before the world of like live plays where people started to see that. Um, uh, but uh, I feel like that's a pretty common thing. I see a lot in, in games that I play. So is it, is it being, is there such a thing as being too flexible <laughs> in that regard and, and allowing your players to do those checks for free? Or if they ask questions like, we'll make a perception check when normally to do those checks, it would take your whole action. Merkel, what do you think? Um, well, I mean, I, I think it probably just depends on how, how tight of a ship you want to run. Um, obviously, as a player, you know, I want as many freebies and goodies as I can get every turn. And so, yeah, if I can do an ability check every turn in addition to an action and a bonus action, um, I love that. Um, but I, I think it also probably depends on like the extent like a, a perception i mean if you're if you're sticking to the raw and and thinking about an action as being you know six seconds of time um if the ability if the ability a check is a strength check and they want to go lift or push or kick something or you know an acrobatics check or something like that mm -hmm. um and it's and it's not something de minimis if it's actually like a substantive action then i would say probably not allowable but it's something to the extent of like well, i want to glance i'm going to look over at so and so and see what they're doing or i want to you know investigate quickly something something that might actually only take a second or two mm -hmm. um then i think that makes sense and especially if um I, I think context is key because sometimes as a party you can get bogged down like okay we can't figure out what we need to do mm -hmm. we can't figure out what we're supposed to uh, accomplished with this bad guy uh like you could be fighting a lake troll and not know that you need to <laughs> both acid and fire damage um fire without fire. a couple of cold, no, cold cold and fire cold and fire damage yeah mm -hmm. there you go shout out to whoever created the lake troll on uh dnd stat block generator i saw that so normally a troll uh, you're referring to a fight that you had with uh in yes. geyser 2 a while ago where these trolls kept coming back to life and you're like why won't they die we've done fire damage and it wasn't until uh someone i think believe it was tyler used ice knife and uh 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 hit the creature with ice damage or cold damage that you realize you need to do both fire and cold damage on the same turn to kill it did you was that the key you had to inflict both in the same round correct yeah got it the same round sorry yes um yeah so shout out to whoever created that that's a fun little mechanic that the players were very frustrated with but was very funny for me um uh yeah no i i agree with you i think especially because it's like you can cast the spell and like look at something at the same time you know what i mean like like you don't need your entire attention um you know focus on one thing but if you're trying to like persuade someone to do something like I don't know, you may be talking to someone and being like, hey, you really need to go do X, Y, Z, because if you don't, my party is going to kill everything, blah, blah, blah. Like, to me, that's much more of like, you're taking your action to purposefully try and affect the outcome of combat. And you saying those words is going to take six seconds at least. So that's going to be the, the time you spent to 
to do that. And I think that that's fair, but yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I, I like giving my players the flexibility and ability to do those things. And I think it's way too penalizing to, to just say you can only do a perception check as an action. Although I will say, what, what are your thoughts about like trying to find a hidden or invisible creature? There, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, well, uh, on the, uh, um, <laughs> I think, again, it sort of has to be, well, they want to do that and attack. I mean, it sounds like if, if, and that's really what this comes down to is they want to do an ability check in addition to something else. And I think you mean in addition to also making an attack. Sure. Because you're not talking about trying to do two ability checks. One is their action. One is this sort of like sure loosey goosey free action. And so if it's going to be um, something like that, locating an invisible creature or whatever else you said, um, I feel like that's that constitutes a full action. But if it's I'm I'm making an attack or I'm casting a spell, and I want to do just something else really quickly within the context of a six second movement. Um, I think that's allowable or should be. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, part of me struggles because then I, I try and hold, have the same rules be true for the monsters as they are for the players. So especially with something like, like doing a perception check for an invisible or hidden creature, like I want to be able to, for my rogues to like hide effectively. So if they're hiding, um, then I, I want to force the monster to really take a full action to sort of understand where they are, which would be something they'd have to do if they were, if we were, you know, using the rules as written. So I don't know. I feel like I'd be more tempted to make people sort of use their full action to, for something like that. But okay. Well, yeah. listen, I'm glad we're on the same page. I, overall, I think that, Giving players more flexibility is always more fun and you don't want to be a party pooper and be like, no, you can't do this. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess the counter argument is, would just be that it's, it's too OP. You're essentially giving them two actions right. uh, per turn and um, gives them a disadvantage. It makes the game easier for them and you shouldn't, it should be harder. I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's the counter argument. <laughs> um, game should be hard. Um, yeah. Less fun less fun okay well i'm listen that satisfies me i'm easy to satisfy i'm easy to please michael i don't know if you know this oh about me god All right okay moving on michael you love me you love me and you love being here don't lie thrilled to be here thrilled to be here the fate of the dungeon crawl mm. where, where are we we've talked about this before in the pod i believe i don't know if, it, if you were here specifically but i think the, we did talk about dungeon crawls at one time that i was here I, I can't remember what the context was exactly um but we did talk about it so so what is you know going into a dungeon looking room by room half the rooms you look into is just empty shit lying around what's the what's the what's going on what's the utility what's the what's the well the people I, I you know i think the question you asked before was do people still like them i mean right it's it's difficult to say i mean we get the only real exposure you get to other people's D, &D campaigns is anything that you can listen or watch 
mm-hmm. uh, as a live play, you know, for the th- thousands, tens of thousands of, um, of home games that nobody ever gets to see uh, who knows. Um, and, but, but I would say that, you know, with respect to recent publication history of wizards of the coast, mm-hmm. um, I don't think, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I could certainly be wrong. I can't think of the last thing that they published that was a massive dungeon crawl, like dungeons, uh, dungeon of the mad mage or Prince of the apocalypse, essentially a massive dungeon crawl at the end. Right. Um, uh, curse of Strahd, I think is kind of mm. a massive sort of dungeon crawl, but I feel like it's less railroady in that you get, you have got a lot more, leeway about where you go you know within the uh castle um but you know recently i mean you're seeing more of like a uh compendiums like the uh uh journey uh journey into the radiant citadel that just came out mm. uh was just like the candlekeep mysteries it was it was uh 14 you know levels one through 14 there's a single sort of one-shot adventure per level and it encourages you to do them standalone or to incorporate them into your own campaign, but they're not dungeon crawls. Um, and so I, uh, I, yeah, I guess I, I don't know for sure what the general consensus is. Um, and obviously Joe, in, in our campaign, the campaign that you run for us, you know, the biggest dungeon crawl that I can think of is when we went to the underdark at the outset of the campaign mm-hmm. and we're sort of in the underdark for however long. Um, but we really haven't had a whole lot of dungeon crawly things since not that I can think of. Yeah. I mean, I think the, and it's mostly due to the, to the nature of, I mean, I think, I mean, that's sort of one thing I was, I was, I was thinking, uh, I just said the word think 17 times in a row, it's, okay. but it's Sunday guys. We're, we're, we're struggling. Um, yeah. I mean, I think since when, since you guys, have now finished that first major arc of the campaign and you're no longer like there's a, you know, the war is basically over. There's no, uh, the resist, you don't have to meet the resistance at a, at a specific time. And like, you know, the death of soldiers is not piling up while you're, you know, trying to make your way to, to this castle now, which, and, and I think you know, the castle was sort of dungeon crawly, but it was very straightforward. There wasn't a lot of, you know, places to go. And I spent more time focusing on making cool battle maps um, than I did on like making just a, a uh, like a dry erase map with pieces of paper that you can like remove. Um mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I, I was like, now that you're sort of done with that, I'm like, okay, well, maybe now there will be some opportunity to do some more dungeons. And I've thought about like how I want to do those. And I will say that in, in the campaign that Tyler is DMing his salt marsh campaign, we're doing one now where the dungeon aspect of it was just like, he just like drew it out on a piece of paper and had it. And then, and then had that like piece of paper scanned in and on a screen. And he was like on roll 20, like revealing it but like it wasn't like it wasn't a specific grid it was just like a drawing of like the map he did and then when if we got into little encounters we mostly did theater of the mind which worked out really well um and then we like shifted into a like a large cavern 
sort of area where we were like walking through um uh, uh this like abandoned city and he did sort of the same thing like here's the hand-drawn map and then like we're going to reveal little pieces where do you want to go but it wasn't this like planned out like here's a large grid <laughs> and here's all the rooms you could possibly go into um and i i will say in those situations when like you enter a room and there's not much there it's like it feels kind of like a letdown, you know? Yeah. And it's personally, and, and again, we, we are getting into what we talked about last time. It's just not fun. Right. Like going into a room and searching it and either like not finding anything or there's like, Oh, this room's filled with like three, like low level baddies or five low level baddies. And you get into initiative and it takes a half an hour to do this pointless, you know, combat and then you search the room and there's nothing in there. And it's just like, all right, on, on to the next thing. You just do that like 20, 30 more times. Like, it, right. I don't know. That's to me, just not very interesting. And I, and I think the reason it's not interesting is because it's, it, you know, it's like, how did this affect the plot? Like this was right. just, this was just a time suck. Like it was just something to uh, make us spend 20 or 30 minutes doing, and it didn't affect anything related to the overall <laughs> plot. And that's just, not fun it's like it's like watching a movie and leaving and like yeah it got really bogged down uh, i'm thinking of like oh, i don't know maybe the characters took a ride to a casino planet for half an hour um, and then <laughs> and giant bunny creatures plot. yeah yeah and you're like wait so what was the point of that now that i'm thinking about it, did that have any effect on the overall plot no it didn't like what a waste of time yeah mm-hmm. waste of time mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like that little star wars uh ding for those mm-hmm. who didn't catch the reference yeah. um yeah, I, I mean, I think like another recent example on Friday at Josh's game, like we literally got to a dungeon and it was like, there's you you go down the staircase and there's two hallways, which do you go down? And like, you could do that without bringing out this like map of like, you know, I, I played the first like two levels of Dungeon of the Mad Mage once with a group and um, it was very much like a slog through this huge dungeon and like i'm glad i had that experience once but i don't think i need like to do that sort of that sort of dungeon ever again um you know like i i i i think you can do those types of things in much more unique ways and it also gives the dm a lot more creativity like you could have you could have the party descend you know down this this staircase and like you're like okay you're in a central room there's a left door a right door and a central door where do you go and then no matter which door they go down um assuming they don't split the party like they don't know what you have planned so like you could just have uh you know each door could be the exact same thing and it but just giving them i mean i talk about this a lot the illusion of choice um uh uh, because that that that's so much more meaningful giving someone an illusion of choice rather than just saying you go down into this room there's one hallway and you go down it it's much cooler to be like well fuck what's down these other hallways and then you either have something planned for those or on the spot you just narrate you know what is down those but even if the two hallways you look down uh, like, let's say you want the party to go down the central hallway. If the one on the left and the one on the right, each, each just have something little that doesn't need to be necessarily like hand drawn out on a grid map, but it's just like you go and you see like a pit of, of bodies and it's like, well, fuck, what the fuck? Like, 
why why are there just why are there bodies i don't want to go there and like and like you just make it super creepy for them it's like it sets the tone it's world building it's uh you know it, it, it's doing all of these it, all of this service to to the to the game itself without actually needing to sort of micromanage the 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 every single door you open and turn down which has always been a struggle for me so yeah dungeon crawls yeah <laughs> well that, like, there I you have it folks <laughs> yeah i i don't i don't know i guess uh like i really like playing D with our group and i think if uh somebody proposed like hey i want to run you know dungeon of the mad mage or you know whatever these other or i homebrewed my own if it's just a massive dungeon crawl it's going to take a year to get through. <laughs> do you want to play i'd say no <laughs> nah, i think i'll pass yeah i mean i think unless it was very clear that like it it's not going to be a dungeon call where there's just map after map after map it's going to be more like like more narrative based because if you think about it like list like i i've I just finished watching um, see, uh, sophomore year of Fantasy High, Dimension 20's Fantasy High. And that they did that live at the time. It was right before COVID and they did it live. So no battle maps. Um, they all, the entire thing was just narrative, which is the same if you listen to NADPOD or Adventure Zone or like any other, you know, D&D or live play podcast. Um, uh, and it's the same thing because like you can't, have a complex map when the medium you're playing a game through is mostly audio because you can't your listeners can't um you know they, they can't see what's going on or like if you have a live play and, and your players go somewhere you weren't expecting it's like okay then you just have to narratively describe what's happening and what the place looks like um you don't have the time to like stop a live play for 30 minutes to build a map and then have, you know, and then be like, okay, so here's the dungeon. Do you want to go down the left hallway or the right hallway? It's like, no, you just, you just fucking do it. So I think if anything, the d dungeon crawls have moved much towards um, at least in my experience in the games I've been playing, they're much more like, Narr the, like the the dungeon aspect to it the the puzzle dungeon that of, of like going through the rooms it's handled more narratively than like on a specific map and there's much more of just a general flow and like i know you like this dungeon as well that one of my favorite dungeon crawls ever was campaign two of critical role when they go to Oban's like lair or whatever. And it was such a fucking great dungeon crawl because every single, but it was a straight shot. It was, you know, people would say, well, you know, it was just like a railroaded. It's like, no, it's, there was a specific dungeon that was created for a specific purpose. It was only one way in one way out. And, and it had this, like every room, everything they did was this, this unique room with traps and puzzles and like you had to work your way through it um it wasn't just you know let's turn down this door let's turn down this door yeah plus i, I also think mercer is way more uh way more into like the practical like mm -hmm. it, it's is more closer to reality uh, sure. in some ways in that like if you think of like the and I suppose, you know, in a world of magic, maybe it doesn't matter. But when you think of like how much, how many resources and how difficult it would be to like excavate and build, <laughs> you know, uh, right. 25 layers of dungeon underneath the ground. Um, 
it, it's just like it, it's not even remotely realistic and again maybe that's maybe oh that i matter. mean right yeah i mean i think in a world with magic where you can create demi planes and shit with the snap of a finger maybe that's not as yeah. big of a concern but still like i mean one thing i always thought that was weird about dungeon the mad mage it's like there's just a fucking bar that has a portal to a super deadly dungeon just in the middle of it and like anyone can go there and just scour it for like whatever treasures they want like don't the monsters come back up through the portal at some at sometimes like wouldn't someone eventually want to just close it i don't know it's very it's very bizarre yeah yeah so anyway well dungeon crawls there you go that's that's the state of the state of the the dungeon crawl there it is there it is all right well michael justice associate justice court of appeals justice judge district court judge associate district court judge district associate judge um michael magistrate magistrate um uh judge uh mock trial judge michael thank you so much intern for a day intern yep one l first year law student thank you so much for for coming and uh and watching the court in action and um i hope you take this knowledge with you um Again, uh, do you, Michael, are you on? You have socials. Do you want to socialize your socials? Nah, not really. It's nothing yeah, good. It's nothing good. Yeah, I'm. I'm. The, who cares about my fucking Twitter? Go to Raw and Order's Twitter. Raw and Order D and D. Um, you know, say hi to us. Submit questions. Submit your cases because, listen, courts in session. We got shit to do. So, with Amen. that, with that, chamber chat is. I was going to say adjourn, but we don't adjourn. So I'm just going to take my robe off. Likewise. Oh, Michael. Okay. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, Joe. Christ. Oh my God. Oh, I got to stretch. Oh my God.